Welcome to Alpha and Omega Ministries International. This ministry is committed to bringing apostolic alignment and restoration of the values and principles of the Kingdom of God to the body of Christ. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by the Word of God. A number of years ago, while ministering in Greece and pulling out of Greece after having ministered into that nation for over 10 years, going to Greece three times a year and sometimes four. At the end of 98, I've experienced a terrible setback, a terrible disappointment in ministry that I had to just pull out of Greece, hand over what was left of a dying ministry to another pastor whom I was friendly with and came home utterly disappointed. And for weeks and months I sat in my prayer closet so overwhelmed by questions. I had a lot of questions and I had no answers. I grieved within my heart to such an extent over the loss of a ministry that I labored for for over 10 years and I couldn't understand what had happened. Why? And after months of struggling in my prayer rooms and sometimes I was not even able to pray I would just sit before the Lord without saying anything. And after months of waiting on God, heaven opened and I saw something. What I saw changed me to the man I am today. From being a pastor, an evangelist, whatever you want to call me, to being a father. And I saw that I made ministry my idol. And that idol began to overshadow and obscure the glory and the face of my <coughs> beloved Lord Jesus. I loved ministry and pulpit more than I loved the Lord. It was about building a ministry. It was about... Uh, running for God and doing all of these things. And when I saw that ministry had become an idol, I deeply repented and cried before the Lord. And it was during those months and the years that followed that God began to take my heart in His hand and my ministry and began to reform it and reshape it and making it a heart that cares for sons and daughters. And it was no longer about building my ministry, but it, it was about raising the next generation. My focus began to shift from my ministry to the sons and the daughters that God began to bring into my life. They were there all the time. 
I just didn't recognize them. That is why the word of the Lord says in Malachi that when the spirit of Elijah is released to do its restorational work, the hearts of the fathers will turn to the sons. You know, often you say, you heard Michael speak, and maybe inside you, you question and say, Oh man, I wish I had a son like that. I wish I had a father like that. Let me ask you a question. If God were to bring a father into your life, would you be able to receive him? And I guarantee you, most of us would not. Because we're not ready. Our hearts have not been touched by that spirit of restoration and we have not turned my heart turned 360 degrees and I began to understand prophetic utterances that were given to me years ago long before I realized this I will bring your sons from afar and your daughters shall be nursed at your side And I began to see something I had never seen before that changed my way of ministry, that changed my way of approaching people. And I began to look upon them in a different light. And I would take a personal interest in the lives of those that God somehow had brought within the sphere of of my influence and began to to do what I naturally do. I love my natural children and I love my spiritual sons and daughters. And so that's how the Lord changed me from a pastor to a father. From an evangelist to being a father figure uh, to, to those whom God miraculously or supernaturally connected me to. You know, Michael would be the last person I would look for as a son. I was at one time, I was looking for a Greek person born again, filled with the Spirit, and it had to be Greek. He had to be Greek. He's so far from being a Greek. And so, the foundational scripture for this conference is found in Malachi 4, verses 5 and 6. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the hearts of the children to the fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. God spoke prophetically of the time to come when He would send Elijah the prophet in order to restore the generational blessing. How many of you know that God is the God of the generations? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And by restoring the generational blessing to his people, 
the relationship of fathers and sons would be restored. And when we speak of fathers and sons, of course, we're speaking about male and female. We've already mentioned this in the conference. After 400 years of silence, the angel of the Lord announces the birth of John the Baptist, who would come in the spirit and power of Elijah. Let's look at the scripture that says concerning this coming of Elijah. Coming of the spirit and power of of Elijah. For he will be great, in Luke 1 verse 15 through to 17, he will be great, speaking of John the Baptist, in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb, and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord the God. There we see again that word turning. It is that spirit that turns our hearts towards God and towards one another. Amen? Amen. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient of the wisdom to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. When Jesus was asked by his disciples, about the coming of Elijah, he said, Indeed, Elijah is coming first and will restore all things. Notice that the ministry of Elijah, the prophetic ministry, has to do with restoration. It is a ministry of restoration and reconciliation. And Jesus said, He will come first and will restore all things. But I say to you that Elijah has come already, and they did not know him, but did to him whatever they wished. Likewise, the Son of Man is also about to suffer at their hands. Notice that Jesus said, He is coming and He has come. He is coming and He has come. Two two different statements. Now, the spirit of Elijah has returned once in the person and in the ministry of John the Baptist. And we know what he did. His ministry was an extraordinary ministry. Though he has never done any noted miracles, he literally, through his ministry and his fathering spirit, raised a spiritually dead nation. That was the ministry of John the Baptist. He came before the Lord. As it is written, I will send my angel before your face who will prepare your way before you. Amen? Amen. Now, the power and spirit of Elijah is primarily a fathering spirit. Why did Jesus mention the spirit of Elijah, not the spirit of Moses, or the spirit of Joshua, or the spirit of David. Because the outstanding characteristic of Elijah the prophet was his fathering heart. And the greatest miracle he had done, though he had done many miracles, was to raise a spiritual son in Elisha and pass on to him a double portion anointing. That was his greatest miracle. 
And the spirit of Elijah is primarily a fathering spirit. And that spirit is present today upon a company of people, not just one person. A body of people who are called into the prophetic and apostolic ministry of fathers. These men and women carry a father's heart who are serving today in a ministry of restoration and reconciliation. So it's not just upon one person. It is upon this spirit, upon a company of prophetic and apostolic fathers. And the primary function is to bring restoration to the body of Christ. They are primarily sent not to the world, not to the sinner, but they are sent to the church. Amen? Amen. And so these forerunners are identified by a strong prophetic anointing, a genuine fathering spirit, with an apostolic mandate to bring restoration to the house of God. And God has been preparing them for years in their own deserts of isolation, hardship, and testing. That's why Michael spoke about too many prematurely try to father or call themselves fathers, but they have not the substance to impart to anyone because they have not gone through the process of testing and trial. These men of God have been in the desert with God. Amen. They, have test, they have been tested. They have tasted loneliness and, and disappointment and pain in their lives. And they have been molded and shaped by God so that they can be able to impart something to those whom they mentor. Michael said it so beautifully the other day. Sometimes people ask me, what, what ministry are you functioning in? What is, your, what is your calling? You know, I always say to people, God does through me what He has done in me. I can only impart who I am. Amen? Amen? And you don't have to try hard. You just be yourself. Amen. Amen? Amen? And so their mission is to restore divine order to the house of God. They are to prepare the church for the coming of the Lord and breach the generational gap between fathers and sons and thus lifting the curse from the earth. A number of years ago, I was in prayer, seeking the Lord for direction in my ministry. That was, that was about more than 13 years ago, because I know I wasn't 50 yet. <laughs> and God began to speak to me, and He said, The greatest influence of your ministry will take place after the age of 50. And then He clarified that. He said, the greatest influence of your ministry will be communicated not directly by you, but by those you have mentored and trained and equipped and released into ministry and into the marketplace. 
and I understood something that my life and my ministry will be defined by those I leave behind Amen. that's how I will be remembered that's how I will be defined it's by the people I leave behind after I'm gone and those are the people that become an extension of my life and ministry and values and anointing. That's the legacy I want to leave behind. I don't want to preach to crowds and multitudes. I want to raise the people that God has allotted to me and supernaturally brought to me. I want to see them fulfill the purpose and destiny in Christ. Someone approached... Tony Fitzgerald, who is the father of Church of the Nations, an apostolic movement that we, we are part of that spiritual family or that apostolic movement, and um, walked up to him and said, Tony, <laughs> he doesn't carry any titles, yet he fathers so many people and so many churches across the nations. We are in 52 nations at the moment. What's your vision? This young man... <laughs> Uh, and looked at Tony and he said, what is your vision, Tony? And he looked at this young man and he said, young man, young men have visions, but old men have dreams. <laughs> you know, he's in his 70s, and he said, I don't have a vision, but I do have a dream. And my dream is to see the sons of the kingdom fulfill the purpose and destiny. And when he spoke those words, there was an explosion taking, care, taking place into my own spirit. And I knew that I knew that I knew that's why I'm here. That is why I get up in the morning. That is why I go and I do what I do. Because I have a dream. And my dream is to see the sons of the kingdom, the spiritual sons and daughters that God has connected to me, fulfill the purpose and destiny. And I think it's a beautiful vision. It's a father's vision. You know, when you become a father, like Michael now has become a father of the two little girls, you know your life changes. It's no longer about you. It's about them. You plan for them. You dream about them. You pray about them. You provide for them. And your whole life changes. Your whole, your whole focus changes and shifts from you to them. Because now you are a father. And there's a responsibility that comes with it. Amen? You know... If I look at the state of the church today, because the church is just like a family. Amen? It's a spiritual family. And I see the church in a state of brokenness, of oppression, because of the lack of genuine fathering. We have a lot of gifted speakers, a lot of anointed teachers. Man, United States is flooded with wonderful, gifted men and women of God. Strong anointings to teach and to preach. But there is a lack of spiritual fathers. And because of genuine fathering, 
and the absence of strong and godly leadership in many cases, the church is in a state of oppression. If you look at Isaiah 51 verses 18 and 19, this is what we read. There is no one to guide her among all the sons she has brought forth. Nor is there any who takes her by the hand among all the sons she has brought up. These two things have come to you. Who will be sorry for you? Desolation and destruction, famine and sword. By whom will I comfort you? A lot of sons, but no one is able to reach out and give her prophetic direction and guidance in a time of turmoil and crisis. I believe that one of the primary characteristics, and we see it all over, of our modern culture is fatherlessness. Would you say that? Would you agree with me? No fathers. Which is expressed. This fatherlessness is expressed by an orphan heart and an orphan way of thinking which leads many to lawlessness, violence, rebellion, and disregard of any form of authority or sound government. And the curse of fatherlessness, both in the natural and spiritual, I believe has left a trail of devastation in its path too great to contemplate or mention. You go into some areas of South Africa, of Cape Town, and you see the devastation and the, the crime, the drugs, the murders. And you, if you look at closely, there are no fathers there. Single mothers abandoned by the fathers. This orphan heart is a terrible thing. It can drive a person to the brink of destruction again and again through patterns of destructive behavior. Seeking love and affection in all the wrong places. Seeking identity. Seeking affirmation. Because that's what the human heart is crying for. God created us this way. And all of this is the result of the absence of godly fathers who are no longer there. Amen. Amen. They've abandoned their responsibilities toward their offspring. The Word of God tells us that the curse will continue to remain on the earth unless both fathers and sons turn towards God and towards one another with a repentant heart and begin to walk in the ways of God, thus bridging the gap between them, bringing peace and wholeness to the relationship. In 2002, God gave me a specific instruction. My relationship with my natural dad and my brother deteriorated to such an extent that something had to be done about it. And so, my dad always, somehow, every time I called him and wanted to talk to him and converse, he had a, a secret pain within his heart. 
And he would always express it and say, Son, you need to come to Cyprus to take care of your mom and dad. That I was not near. That I was so far away from him. I would visit him once a year, twice a year. But that's all I could do. I wasn't there. And so the Spirit of God spoke to me and he said, Do your utmost. Do whatever it takes. But I want you to restore that relationship with your dad and with your brother. And so I got on the plane with a, with a mandate from God. Don't come back unless the relationship is restored. So I met with my dad to cut a long story short. We went through. I repented. Even though I couldn't see that I was at fault. Because I wasn't the one who had taken me away from him. He was the one who immigrated to South Africa. And he took us with him when we were just children. So we grew up in a foreign country, got married, raised children, and now we settled. And he went back and left us. Because he had enough. We were too rebellious for him to. <laughs> he just said, I, I don't know what to do with you guys. Both you and your brother, I'm leaving you. So he left. We were 18 and he just took off and he went back to Cyprus. And so we sat down and I repented and I asked God, I asked the, my dad to forgive me and we were reconciled. And that was a little easier than reconciling my relationship with my brother. So it was my brother's turn now and me, we sat in his bedroom and I asked him a question. I said, Samas, what would it take for you and I to be reconciled? He always had that secret fear that whenever I visited my parents, I would steal his inheritance from him somehow. And he lived in that constant fear. And so he said to me, I want you to hand over your inheritance. Remember, the Lord said, do whatever it takes. I said, I bless you with it. You mean far more to me than any amount of money or property or houses. And I signed it over to him. Little did I know that in five years' time he would pass away. But I got my brother back. And I can trace the blessings of the Lord, how they began to flow since that day that my relationship was restored with my dad and my brother. All that I'd given him, it came back to me and more than that. Folks, relationships in the eyes of God mean far more to Him than anything else in this world. And we need to make every effort to allow the Spirit of God to work deeply in our hearts and restore these precious relationships. No matter what has happened, the Word of God says if you come to offer your gift there at the altar and there you remember that your brother has ought against you, you leave there your gift, you go and be reconciled, and then you come and offer your gift. I believe that the foundation of spiritual inheritance in the kingdom of God is a relationship of a father and son. That's what scripture teaches. Those in ministry today, pastors, evangelists, prophets, apostles, must develop the heart of a father and raise up a generation of sons and daughters in a double portion anointing. Amen. 
Otherwise we are not fulfilling our roles and we're not fulfilling our purpose and destiny as fathers. There's a difference between a pastor and a father. Amen. Amen. The young man who works in our office today, his name is Siobhan. He's 21 years of age. And one day I showed up at the cell group meeting and I happened to sit right next to him. I didn't know, I saw him in the church, but I didn't know exactly who he was. So I sat next to him and I said, what's your name? He said, Siobhan. I said, how old are you? He said, 19. I said, you finished your studies? He said, yes. Do you have a job? He said, no. I said, who supports you? He said, my mother. That was the end of the conversation. You know, he went home, he couldn't sleep at night. The words that I spoke to him haunted him all night. He got up the next day and he started praying. Within matter of days, he found himself a job. He gave his testimony later and he said, No one has ever spoken to me like that. No one. He's 19 years of age. He's been raised by his mom and his grandfather. No one ever spoke to me, he said, this way. The words that you spoke just pierced my heart. And I was so uncomfortable when I left the meeting, I couldn't sleep at night. I wasn't intending to do that. I was just taking a personal interest in his life. The next thing that happens, we have a man's camp. And so he comes along. He didn't have the money, so somebody sponsored him. So he comes along. Lo and behold, I find myself sitting next to him again. Once again. I forgot that I had this conversation with him. So I ask him the same questions. What's your name? He said, Shivon, how old are you? He said, but I told you, Pastor. I said, I'm sorry, I, I forgot. And then I said this to him. What's your dream? What do you want to become? He said, Pastor, I know God called me into the ministry. I want to be a pastor. I want to serve the Lord in ministry. Oh, I said. So what are you doing about it? He said, nothing. (laughs) Well, I said, how is God going to use you if you're not prepared? How is He going to call you into the ministry if you have no education, spiritual word education? He said, what must I do? I mean, tell me, I'm here. I said, enroll in the Bible school. He said, hmm, I knew he didn't have the money. I said, don't worry about the money. Have you got the heart? Have you got the willingness? He said, yes, Pastor. I will do it. Well, two months down the road, I don't remember exactly how long it passed, someone else sponsored him, and he finished first, second, third year and now he's employed full time by the church his whole life has been changed and transformed and then he said man I have been turned upside down in just a matter of a few months why? because he aligned himself because he connected 
He wasn't just a church member. Like so many today go into churches, they hide in these big churches. No one knows they are there. No one cares or takes an interest in their lives. Hey, who are you? We have churches that is filled with potential. Filled with gifts that are completely unutilized and unused because no one has come up to them and speak into their lives like a father should to his children. And call that destiny out of them. And push them and encourage them and love them unconditionally. You know, we started walking with Michael. And I, you know, he came from a home where there were no boundaries. Anything and everything would go. He would come home 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, half past 12, whatever time, because his, his parents loved him. And, and you know, they, that's the way they expressed their love. My children, my daughters were 26, 27 years of age. At 11 o'clock they had to be home. And if they were not home, they better had a good excuse why they were not home. The only time they went out with a boy, it was with a boy they were courting to marry. No dates. They were raised that way. You keep yourself pure for the man that God would bring into your life. There were boundaries. I didn't sit them down and say, you shall not have dates. They went through the teenage years and we had no problem whatsoever. No staying on the telephone for two hours speaking to the boyfriends. In fact, when my eldest one went to work, and she was surrounded by other young women, and they started asking her questions. You got a boyfriend? No. No? Where do you live? At home. With your parents? Yes. Which planet are you coming from? <laughs> it was strange to them. Well, I'll get on to this now. <laughs> Boundaries. So Michael comes. <laughs> I wouldn't go into that one. <laughs> I said, Michael, how much money are you earning? So much. How much are you saving? I said, Nothing. I said, you, you planning to get married one of these days? I didn't know he was going to marry my daughter then. <laughs> but thank God I started discipling him before. He got an interest in it. He said, you're going to buy a ring? Yes. How, how are you going to get a ring? You're going to take her on a honeymoon? You got savings? No. I said, listen, every month when you get your salary, the first thing you do after you pay your tithes, you, send, you put an X amount of money in your savings account every month and I want to see the receipt. Well, by the time he got engaged and married, he had enough money to buy the ring and take his wife to honeymoon. Boundaries. Talk to people. And that's how I express my care and my love for people. And I know that when they hook up, their lives become stable and they are restored. Provided they submit and follow their instructions. Amen. 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 
So there were boundaries set in his life. He would, anything that needed to be done, he was always around. And when he was not around, you heard him say, Michael! <laughs> Servant's heart. Amen. Amen? Amen? Then I began to see the call, the destiny, and call it out of him. Amen. It's taking an interest in people that's personal, that's fatherly, that's genuine, that's caring. If you you read the Apostle Paul's epistles to the Philippians, to the Thessalonians, and you watch how he addresses them, he says, you are my crown and my joy. As a father who loves his children, and as a nursing mother, I treated you with so much love, with so much respect. I didn't abuse you. I didn't take advantage of you. I came to give you the love that is poured out of him. And that's what we need in the church today. We need fathers who are not threatened by the spiritual sons. They're so secure in themselves. And they are willing to hand over to the sons. I said to Michael, time ago now, the last thing that I haven't given you, I've given you my daughter, I've given you the church, I've given you spiritual inheritance and some financial inheritance. The only thing I haven't given you is the pulpit, now take the pulpit too. And I will only preach at your invitation. Amen? Amen. So, a father who is so secure in his calling that is not threatened by his son. Amen? Amen. Amen. That delights to see the son go further than he has ever gone. Because he loves the son. Fathers who will not compete with them in ministry. Who are not controlling and manipulative. Because there's that. Also, there's much of that. And let me tell you this, there are no perfect fathers and there are no perfect sons. Amen? we all imperfect. And we can only walk in this relationship by the grace of God. In fact, God designed it that it cannot work any other way but by the grace of God. Amen. Fathers who are not manipulative, who are not controlling, but fathers who, who begin to bend and lift up their sons on their shoulders and help them to go further than they've ever been. Amen? Amen. For these kind of relationships to be restored to wholeness, both fathers and sons, mothers and daughters must allow the Spirit of God to do a genuine work in their lives. How much time have I been gone? I've lost track of time. How much time have I been speaking? Sorry? Okay. I've been speaking for 45. I'm going to close this. No, no. I've just deviated from my notes altogether. Very <laughs> good. Let me let me briefly say what happens what happens when fathers are not recognized and when fathers are not properly honored in any setting, both in the natural and in the spiritual, both in the family and in the family of God. In fact, 
Paul writes to the Corinthians and he says to them in chapter 1, verses 4, uh, chapter chapter 1, uh, sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 14 and 15, as well as 17. I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children I warn you, for though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. For this reason I sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. As you all know, and you've read the Corinthian uh, epistles that Paul had written, was riddled with division, was riddled with carnality and strife. And even though Paul says you are enriched in every spiritual gift, they lacked no gift. They were filled with gifts, spiritual gifts. Yet, they lacked maturity and spiritual identity. And they sought identity in the gifting and in the men that God sent to them rather than in the Lord. And he goes on, and I believe this was a direct result of rejecting spiritual fatherhood. They didn't receive Paul's fatherhood. So he had to send his beloved son and to demonstrate before them what a son in the kingdom is like. He says, you see him, you see me. And that's how I behave. Amen? Amen. Now, when spiritual fatherhood is rejected, the church continues to function on a level of immaturity and spiritual oppression. You see, the people are oppressed there. And when the people of God refuse maturity in Christ, they are judged by losing maturity and having immature leaders in positions. Their fathers then are replaced with children. When you reject spiritual fatherhood, God gives you immature leaders. And Isaiah prophesied in chapter 3, Verse 4 and 5, he says, I will give children to be the princes, and babes shall rule over them. The people will be oppressed, everyone by another, and everyone by his neighbor. The child will be insolent toward the elder, and the base toward the honorable. You see, fathers in the faith bring with them a level of maturity. They bring with them stability. And when you connect, that's what happens to your life. Amen. 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 So, this is not something that we can manufacture. I've been believing God for years. Lord, show me. Show me. Open my eyes. Let me see who my sons and daughters are. Today I have sons in the Lord who are CAs, chartered accountants, businessmen, preachers, entrepreneurs, and I love them. And I have dedicated my life to serving them to the last of my days. And if I can do that, 
then I am going home as a happy man. Thank you for coming today and thank you for being part of this conference and I pray that the Lord has imparted to you something that you will take with you and will pray through and begin to seek the Lord. If you have reached an age of maturity, then let your prayer be, Lord, help me to identify, to recognize, and to raise up those whom you have given to me to do so. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources and more information about this ministry, come and visit us at www.alphaomegaint.org.za.